0: Essential npcs the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop rpgs i'm Addie, and i'm tommy and you're listening to series 9 episode 11 coming clean we don't have any new announcements for you this week so we're gonna jump right on into words with a gm hello hello gm hello. this words with a gm hello. is about series 9 episode 10 project atlas So with this Words with the GM, I really wanted to talk about something that is really important and always uh, the most fun, injuries and death.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, we do see a lot of injuries uh, in the previous episode. Um, I think almost everyone in the party takes at least one injury, a couple of them pretty severe. Characters in Manifest can take injuries as an alternative to damage. When you take an injury, you negate all of the damage you would be taking and you roll on an injury chart. Which injury chart you roll on is determined by how much damage you are ignoring by taking an injury. And the more damage you're ignoring, the more severe the effects of the injury. Uh, So you roll a d20 on the chart and you're given a status effect. From there, uh, you usually have to suffer that status effect until the injury is cured, which either happens because enough time passes or because someone with a med kit rolls high enough to treat your injury and remove it. Characters can only take a certain number of injuries, and every additional injury beyond the first increases the chance that the injury you receive is more severe. However, injuries are not only a great way for your character to maintain their hit points and armor points, but also the status effects they give you often lead to uh, really interesting changes in the dynamic of the battle. Take two episodes ago when Giles took an injury and then was knocked down prone and couldn't move next turn. It pretty much pigeonholed him into that unique use of his grappling hand that I mentioned in my favorite parts. Or take the injury Roy took in this previous episode where he took a head wound and his reasoning attribute, which is already very low, went even lower and he became kind of a goofball thrill seeker. (laughs) However, there are plenty of situations in which you wouldn't want to take an injury, or if you take too many injuries, you simply can't take any more and you have to start taking that actual damage. And that leads us to the thing every GM wants to know. How do I kill my players? (laughs) (laughs) Once a character hits zero hit points, they are downed, but not necessarily dead. Every character can take a certain amount of overflow damage beyond zero. And only once their overflow track is full, do they actually die. Now, sometimes that can happen from one single attack, but often characters will only get knocked slightly into their overflow and begin to struggle while down. Um, This is where the endure skill becomes incredibly useful because when a character is down, they will periodically have the opportunity to roll endure and depending on how many hits they get, they can still act and struggle and possibly even take actions while crawling around on the ground basically bleeding out. One or two hits, you can kind of move a little bit, but if you manage to get a few more hits on endure, you might be able to shoot your gun from the ground or dig into your pockets and pull out that healing tonic that will get you back on your feet. The overflow system and the injury system are designed to allow Manifest to truly feel and function as a very lethal world. We've seen how much damage can be put out by a single attack, and that goes both ways if, the, if your players are unlucky. That threat needs to be there so players can feel the thrill of surviving these intense situations, but they also have multiple ways in which they can approach and survive when luck turns against them and they take a really big hit. This allows GMs to design encounters truly challenging for the players without really making a player feel like it's unfair or or they don't have a chance of survival.
0: It's certainly very nice as a player to feel like you have that stopgap between you and absolute certain death uh, with those injury slots. It allows you to take risks that um, maybe you wouldn't take if there wasn't something there and you were just a big old sack of hit points. Uh, So I am a huge fan of the uh, overflow and your injury slot combo uh, because I can run around shooting things and uh, not die because I've run into a corner and left myself uh, wide open open to a very powerful attack but i think that's enough about death and dying for now so uh, i'm sure we'll come back to it instead i want to hear what your favorite part was
1: My favorite part comes near the end of the episode as I revealed that the siege laser of this Colossus was fully operational (laughs) and it aimed dead on uh, to take a shot at Juliet. It was my favorite part because if you listen very closely, you can hear Addy go, oh God. (laughs) And that's because uh, Addy actually has some experience with proto-martyrs. The reason Juliet know so much about them is because Addy played in an earlier play test of manifest, uh, that took place during the proto martyr crisis. So she has a lot of experience dealing with them. And that whole campaign kind of culminated in having to confront a fully assembled, completely operational siege Colossus. And during that fight in that campaign, the siege laser did a lot of damage. And so, uh, it was really satisfying to me as a GM to be able to just say the room starts glowing red and just to hear Addy go, Oh no. And, and know like that she knows what's coming up and Juliet knows what's coming up and, uh, and being able to kind of build that tension before I took the shot. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. So that was my favorite part as a GM. But what about you? What was your favorite part?
0: My favorite part was, um, the the elevator, um, specifically the unfinished elevator. <laughs> uh, like you said, I have a bunch of experience with with uh, proto martyrs and their explosive tech, and uh, and so I was pretty sure as a player, and luckily as a character, uh, that things were going to explode. Uh, so I was so happy that there was a way to avoid this like mortal explosion only to find that it was an unfinished elevator, you Trixie
1: hobbits.
0: (laughs) Um, And that we were going to die anyway when we got flattened like a pancake. Uh, Luckily, uh, we had uh, some quick tinkering, which was great. Uh, So it was kind of all this like tension and then action and then more tension and then relief and then explosions. And uh, it was just a great sequence.
1: Yeah, the fact that you noticed the doors and were able to spend your focused action uh, learning that those doors led to an elevator and only that information uh, is kind of the difference between getting two hits on an observed test versus three or four hits on an observed (laughs) test. So uh, that was pretty fun for me, too, and just helped kind of do that out of the frying pan into the fire type getaway that um, culminated in a, a pretty satisfying end to the episode. But you guys haven't even fully made it out of the wreckage of that escape elevator. And many of you are still injured and all of you are still stranded in the salt flats. So I'm interested to see where this posse goes next. So without further ado, let's move on in and listen to series nine, episode 11, Coming Clean. Enjoy. Greetings.
2: I'm Clayton Sawyer. You may not have heard of me, but I'm one of the best bounty hunters in the Badlands. I got a few advantages, you see. First is Sugar, my Ache, and even though I only found her a few years back, my best friend. She was the runner for her herd and probably couldn't keep up and was cast out, and I know how that feels. So me and her bonded, and she grew up right with me stepping in as her daddy. The second edge I got, hunting bounties, is that I'm illuminated, and my abilities grant me an advantage that most of the nastiest outlaws ever got bountied can't compete with. The thing about being illuminated is that those same abilities that give me all those powers and advantages are also unsettling in most folk. They can understand a gun or a knife, but they can't quite figure the threat someone like me might be to them. That's why me and Shug are always moving, hunting, and on to the next bounty, leaving people behind before they can make us get one day, me and Sugar are going to pull in a big bounty, and we'll make enough to settle into our own homestead, where we can be ourselves and ain't nobody going to try to drive us away again. We'll wrestle cattle, do some farming, and live a quiet life on our own little slice of the Badlands.
3: Howdy, folks. Name's Roy Hampton. Now, I know what you're thinking. How did such a dashing young man come to be robbing you today? Well... You get to handing over your spurs, and I'll tell you what's what. I grew up in a factory town with my mamas, Helen and Kate. Helen was a kind, quiet lady, kept her head down to raise me best as she could. But Mama Kate, she was the kind of woman who couldn't help but stand up for us, even when we weren't asking. In the city, there's two kinds of folks. The family, and people paying the family. And Mama Kate wasn't about to be either. Problem is, when you're standing up to a planetary crime syndicate, You and yours are liable to end up in the dirt. So when the jimmies came to our home, my mama's held them off long enough for me to escape. After that, theming wasn't a choice. It was survival. Now, miss, you ain't gonna get to that holdout before I lose this arrow. Just sit tight. We're almost through. See, turns out I got a knack for this life. Key is to always have the advantage. Never pick a fair fight. Second trick is to rob folks that can afford to lose it and there ain't nobody richer than the family. There was a time I was hitting the family so hard I was taking enough spurs to live like a king. Trouble is, family ain't inclined to let robbery of that magnitude slide. Hence the 800-spur bounty on my head. Now, I know y'all are feeling a few spurs short, but look on the bright side. Next time you throw a fancy shindig, you can tell the story of the time you were robbed by Roy Hampton, legendary
4: outlaw. Y'all have a nice day now. Charles Farthing, the pleasure's all mine like. As you might have guessed, I come from money, but I'm not above slumlet with the upper middle class. I work a trade. I'm a barber. Clean cut, close shave, replace a limb or two, at last one's my speciality. Prosthetics best side of Iron Harbour. And the other side of Iron Harbour. Also within the city limits of Iron i ha- Well, have a look. My handiworks, my pride and joy, my left side. The foreleg, arm, my left eye. No accident. Improvements. The human body is wonderful, but imperfect-like. We're at a point in history where it's our own flesh and blood holding us back. That's why I've made it my life's work. To develop the finest in form, function, and fashion. That's all on hold for the moment, though. First, I need to find and recover an item stolen from my own home at a recent exhibition. To steal from a man of my genius. The audacity. It's unforgivable. Blather, what'll it be? I'll have you looking your best in no time. My name isn't Giles Farthen, which it is Giles Far. I just told you like.
0: My name is Juliette Hunt, and I've been a drifter nearly my whole life. My parents were killed by bandits when I was far too young. I only survived because a gunslinger named Avery came along and rescued me. Being that I was an orphan, he took me under his wing and taught me to shoot like him. Passed on the craft, like a father to a daughter. After Avery died, I drifted alone for a time, until happenstance brought me to Cyrus Finch. He's loud, flashy, full of cockamamie ideas, and occasionally, a criminal. And I, I ain't any of those things. We ended up drifting together a long while and gotten to mourn a few situations we never saw coming, including getting hitched. Like all drifters that live past their prime, we eventually hung up our irons, and we settled down in a nice little town in the Badlands. Now, I ain't so retired that I won't oblige somebody who's in desperate need of a bullet, and Cyrus has to sate his itch to run a grift from time to time, but by our standards, it's a quiet kind of life. For a long while, it was a pleasant life, until Cyrus up and disappeared without a word. Now, he ain't the most communicative individual, but I just got this gut feeling that something ain't right, and Avery taught me better than to ignore my gut. So I've closed up shop, took up my irons, and set out drifting again. My Cyrus is out there somewhere, and I'm gonna find him. And when I do, oh boy, he better be in need of saving. Otherwise, he's in trouble.
1: Last time we saw our Drifters, they were skyrocketing out of an underground complex that had housed a group of Proto-Martyrs who were constructing a gigantic bipedal mech known as a Colossus. Our Drifters managed to destroy the Colossus, and uh, like any good Proto-Martyr tech, it went into a self-destruct sequence. And they jumped into a rapid ascension elevator and burst through the crust of the salt flats. Moments before they were destroyed in conflagration. You all slammed down on the ground, uh, kind of in a heap in the twisted wreckage of this elevator. uh, And Sugar uh, has run up to see if you're all okay. Okay. Um, You feel as the telepathic link you all have uh, fades away. And you've completed your mission for Pepe Dantoro. And now you are injured, wounded, maybe a little psychologically scarred, and in the middle of the salt flats. What do you do? Okay.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go help everybody up, seeing as I'm only lightly injured.
2: Oh, hell! You all right? Getting too old for this shit. I might have actually broke my hip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Roy bleeding from the back of the head. Clayton uh, limping on a very fractured hip. (laughs) You guys don't look so great right now. Can I help you over to
2: uh, Sugar? No, I got it. Sure. Sure. I just.
1: Okay. Yeah, he limps over and Sugar kind of nuzzles up and gives him support so he can lean against her.
2: Thanks, baby girl. Hover back. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> hey,
0: Mr. Farthen, you all right as well?
5: Uh, could have gone better, but I suppose it could have gone worse.
0: Uh, so I'm going to stand up and leave the wreckage of this elevator and surveil the scorched earth around us. Have we created like a giant sinkhole or anything like that in the ground?
1: No, no, just a uniquely dark splotch on the otherwise pristine white landscape that is the Salt Flats.
0: I guess I'll help anybody who needs it onto their respective vehicles stopping Roy from trying to be the driver with a head wound. (laughs) And, uh,
5: Can I recover any cubes uh, of material from this elevator? Help us with some repairs.
1: Uh, yeah, um, you can go ahead uh, and roll. It's it's sophisticated enough you can roll technology. It's also large and mechanical enough you can roll machinery. Um, so just uh, whatever, whatever materials you're trying to salvage from it, uh, choose that skill and roll it.
5: Let's see. They're the same, so I'll roll uh, machinery. Four successes. Uh,
1: so that gives you four machinery cubes. Uh, you watch as uh, Giles kind of dusting himself off, uh, his pristine sci- uh, cybernetic limbs kind of dented and scorched and uh, and scraped up. Uh, he begins. Uh, he pulls out his Omni Tool and begins salvaging what he can from the wreckage of the elevator.
0: Roy, you okay to sit here?
1: Yeah, I could sit. I remember that sitting's easy.
0: <laughs> okay. You just sit here, okay? Uh, And I'm going to patch up my armor, take out some cubes and apply them.
1: Uh, Sure. To repair your armor, you can roll machinery.
0: So that's two hits. Um, So that'll be five armors. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Five armor points are restored to your armor. I'll do the same with mine. Go ahead and roll it up. Three hits. That'll give you six armor points back.
3: I see everyone repairing their armor. And I'll, uh, you know, rebuckle some buckles and sort of rezip some zippers on mine. I ain't got cubes or the skill to fix it, but like I'm working on it, right? Maybe.
0: I'll give Roy a hand. <laughs> Roy gets five armor points as well as I got two hits for that.
2: Julia, you mind help me out with mine when you're done?
0: Uh, sure. I will do. I will do that and I grab another machinery cube and I head on over to uh, Clayton and see what I can't patch on him, his armor. Uh, I got
1: no hits. Okay, well, that still heals three armor points even without a hit.
2: (laughs) Here, I I got another machinery cube. I'll just, I'll put the finishing touches on it.
0: All right, yeah, sure, I get it. It's your armor and you want it to look the way you want it to look. I I can understand (laughs) that entirely.
5: You know, a machinery cube won't work on that hip there, though. Yeah. Why don't you let Giles take a look?
1: (laughs) Uh, Giles pulls out a a modest med kit. And uh, Giles, if you want to try and treat that injury, uh, you can roll first aid. It is a class three injury. So you need four hits in order to successfully treat it.
0: Uh, Mr. Giles, would you like a, a hand? I have a little bit of practice in assisting medical procedures. Couldn't hurt all right, Clayton. I'm just going to hold you down real tight, okay? <laughs> Wait,
1: <what? laughs> uh, they they lay you down, uh, and and Giles starts scanning you with his med kit. Uh, J- Juliet, you can roll to assist.
0: I got two hits.
1: All right, so that's a plus two for you, Giles. One hit. Uh, unfortunately, this is beyond your expertise, Giles. Mm-hmm. You are a beautician, a barber, a tinkerer, but you're not a doctor. And your med kit's uh, supply of medication is somewhat limited. So um, unfortunately, you're not able to uh, heal this injury. So Clayton, uh, it'll take three rests for that injury to go away.
3: Hey, how are y'all dealing with like the persistent wet on the back of your necks? Do you guys have like a scarf or how, how do you handle that?
0: I think he's asking for help there, Mr. Farthen. Do you think you could uh, give Roy a little bit of that uh, treatment as well?
1: Sure, let's take a look. This is also a class three injury, so it will take four hits to uh, cure.
0: All right, Roy, I'm just going to hold your head real tight.
1: (laughs) Why? All right, go ahead and roll to assist, Juliet. I got three hits. All right, that's a plus three for you, Giles.
5: Three hits. I'll use my last grit to twist the knife, uh, which is ironic in that it helps the healing process.
1: (laughs) So that'll give you four hits. Uh, so you're working on, uh, uh, on the head wound and, uh, you know, working in the, the head hair area is more your area of expertise. Uh, so, um, uh, while you're at it, you also give Roy like a nice little cleanup trim, uh, <laughs> uh, make his hair a little more, uh, a little more stylishly cropped. Uh, and you manage to, uh, stop the swelling, uh, stop the internal swelling and, uh, Roy your re- uh, your head wound injury is cured and you no longer have a minus 1 to reasoning and awareness
3: ah dang that weren't like a normal persistent wet on the back of the
5: neck was it
0: i don't know what normal that would be but um no not normal
5: not for the south flats anyway
0: what what about you mr farthen are you uh, all right as well
5: oh, i'll be fine all i need is a bath and to feel Pepe Dantorum's neck beneath my hands.
0: I hear that. Uh, I suppose we could get a little bit of uh, traveling before the day's out if y'all are in for it, or we can uh, rest here and start fresh in the morning.
3: Uh, I ain't keen to camp near a big old crater.
5: There's a 500-foot cube cavity somewhere beneath us that could cave in at any minute, so...
1: It's probably in our best interest to get out of here. So you guys double up to on the hover bike and two on the Aceh and you can make some headway. It's uh, uh, the closest settlement that you know of is Hope's Edge on the northern border of the Salt Flats. You can make some decent way there. Uh, It's about a day and a half ride and you can you can get the half out of the way tonight. You set up camp in the middle of the Salt Flats. Uh, You're able to rest uh, which will help some of you regain your uh, regain some hit points, as well as begin the natural healing process on some of your injuries. Next morning, you're all able to kind of wake up, still pretty beat. You all look like crap. There's almost or there's almost no inch of any of your possessions that doesn't have salt on it at this point. Um, sugar sugar is so discolored she is in dire need of a bath uh uh, her normally beautiful red coat is just completely matted with with white crystallized salt and uh she doesn't look very happy about it Uh, in fact i need sugar to roll an endure test for me
2: uh two successes
1: Uh, Okay, so Sugar is going to take four hit point damage on the way out of the salt flats as uh, she is suffering under these conditions in which very few animals can survive. Then you guys make your way. Uh, It is a full day's ride to Hope's Edge, but now without having to rush to try and make a weapons deal and without really any dangers around um it's as pleasant a ride in the salt flats as you can have and uh you guys have just a you know a little bit of time to shoot the shit on the way to hope's edge so who does everyone want to shoot the shit with
5: i'll talk to mr Sawyer. uh i'm gonna pick juliet this time
1: i'll speak with giles i'll pick roy uh everyone go ahead and roll and who would like to go first
2: i got two successes uh I made my own luck and rolled another die
1: all right uh so Roy um you get to learn something about Clayton. I'm just
2: brushing sugar, trying to get some of the salt out of her fur. I will approach and sort of stand there, and figure out how to
3: broach this subject and um all right clayton i'm gonna, I'm gonna come come right out and say it.
2: Where do we stand vis a vis you turning me in for that bounty? Clayton continues brushing. Honestly, Roy, I don't know, man. You don't seem like bad people. They're probably gonna kill you when they if you if I turn you into the family, ain't they?
3: Well, I, I suppose there ain't no way to be
2: sure. B- but probably, yeah. It does occur to me that the four hundred spurs I was to be paid is melted. Probably vaporized. Well, that ain't great. For now, we're going to say I'm still turning you in, but I'm always open to a change of heart, Roy. Maybe uh, give me a reason to not turn you in. How's that? Okay, you know I, j- I just I killed that Colossus, right? And melted my 400 spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I like... Oh, I- I open my
3: mouth to respond and then and then I think I think I just leave. I think I just walk <laughs> away at that. I ain't got a response for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going to the the decision not to mug that inca- incapacitated proto is going to haunt Roy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And Roy, who did you pick? I picked Juliet and I got four hits. All right, Juliet and Roy, at some point during the day, uh, as you travel through the salt flats, the two of you bond over something.
3: All right, after that baffling interaction with Clayton, I guess I'm on the motorcycle with you. You're you're on the bike with me, right, Juliet? I am, yes. All right, I'll uh, sort of lean back as we're driving. Hey, see, you're pretty handy patching up armor, and I, I sort of always figured, like, capital G gunslingers were more, you know, instruments of death and nothing else
0: <laughs> i mean gunslingers are people too roy
3: well i'm learning something new every day
0: when you get to fighting righteous war in the badlands uh you end up picking up a couple of talents uh but i mostly didn't really start learning how to do that stuff until uh after i settled down uh back where i'm from um now where i live now i suppose uh, I own a general store, and and people come in uh, whenever the blacksmith's out of town or out of cubes, and uh, and asks me to patch him up. I do what I can. Um, Cyrus is better than it, but he's got less patience. Uh, so uh, that's that's pretty much it. It's just a, a long time of practice when when you're wearing when you're getting shot at, you gotta learn how to fix your your stuff.
3: Okay, hold on. So you, a capital-G gunslinger, <laughs> married a uh, uh, not-quite-made man in the family, and then retired to small-town life to own a general store.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> With the occasional excursion elsewhere, yes.
3: Well, hell, got more in common than I thought. Uh, yeah, I, My my family used to have a general store back, uh, back before.
0: Oh, really? And uh, I guess... Before you left them, or?
3: Uh, that, that weren't my choice, as it were. I mean, I told you I robbed the hell out of the family. There's a reason for
0: that. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Roy. I lost my family when I was young, too. I understand how tough that can be. You and I could have been switched, seems like. Makes me think that that, that bounty we're working towards for you ain't, ain't necessarily worth it, though it would do a lot of good in my town. But I understand that sometimes you gotta look at the bigger picture, I guess.
3: If you could mention that to Clayton, maybe.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Clayton ain't very wordy. Coming from me, that's something. Uh but but I think that uh he's had it hard being illuminated and I think that he just wants to find a place that he can pay for and, and live in peace. You know, I think that's, if he's waffling, because it turns out you ain't such bad folk, I think it's probably something along the likes of that. He just wants some peace in his life. Huh. Not to say that your worth is literally only 800 spurs, but it is the most tangible
1: worth.
3: I, I suppose that's fair. And I'll, I'll
1: I'll think on this as we keep driving. All right. And Juliet, who did you pick? I
0: picked Mr. Farthing.
1: Okay. Uh, there's a point where you guys have to like kind of stop motion because the salt has built up on uh, Sugar's uh, hooves too much and it's starting to hurt her, so you got to chip it off. And uh, and also the salt is building up underneath the uh, motorcycle, clogging up the, the hover tech. Um, so you guys got to do just a little bit of maintenance and you have a moment where you're just kind of all stopped. Uh, Roy cleaning up the motorcycle and Clayton uh, tending to Sugar. And so, Giles and Juliet, you're just kind of standing off there. Uh, I
0: got two hits.
1: And Giles, you get, to know, you get to learn something about Juliet? So I take it from
5: our encounters back there, you've, uh, you've dealt with the proto-martyrs before.
0: Yes. <laughs> Around 15 years ago, when the proto-martyrs were trying to, like, raise the badlands, um, there uh, there's a lot of people who rose up and fought them, and, and yeah, I was one of them people. Why do you ask?
5: I was just wondering how, how do you come to terms with a group like that, who don't really care about anyone or anything, willing to give it all? Where do you find the strength to fight back against something like that?
0: I think that's like sort of a misconception a little bit. I don't think that it's like strength or bravery really until you're like out there facing them. I think it's just mostly like it's the thing you got to do, right? There's somebody coming and trying to ruin your way of life and, and you can either let them or you can say no and, and you know, fight them how you can, you know you, you back 15 years ago could have easily built you know, some sort of gizmo or or something by the looks of your talents to fight them just as easily it's really that the, the people of the Badlands all rose up against that terrible, terrible wave of hate and uh it weren't about strength it was about respect for each other and like how people want to live it weren't it weren't even a decision for me and mine we just we up and did what we got to do
5: and you don't even want credit
0: i ain't never wanted credit in my life (laughs) i just want people to be left in peace to to live how they need to be happy the people i fight the people I shoot and kill are the people who are taking that, that sort of right to to live, to be um away from others. It's really what it comes down to. I don't need credit. Credit's in like seeing somebody walk down the street unafraid. Right?
5: I think I'm struck speechless there. That's beautiful.
0: Well, I don't know about that, but
5: that's a nobility I didn't expect from well on nobles.
0: (laughs) I think you'd be surprised at where you can find nobility. I think a lot of the uh, nobility you find in people is exactly not in the nobility.
1: And Giles, who did you pick? Uh,
5: Three successes on Mr. Sire.
1: Alright, you guys climb back up uh, uh, two by two on the mounts and Giles and Clayton, you are on Sugar together uh, and you continue your way towards Hope's Edge uh, how many hits did you get, Giles? Three. So Giles and Clayton, you bond over something. Mister Sawyer, if uh, if that hip's still bothering you, would you like a new one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I appreciate it. I think I just need to, well, not walk it off, but you get the idea. All right. I mean, no charge. Uh, it's the least I could do. I think I I don't need a robot hip though. It's appreciate it. But, uh, I couldn't help but notice that, uh, those 400 spurs you paid might have got vaporized. Oh, it's, that's no matter. We, I mean, I'm cash strapped at the moment, but we just have to hit a bank. Oh, so you'd, so you'd still be good to to compensate me then? I'm beginning to suspect you haven't heard of the farthings. <laughs> Perhaps not, uh, make a killing, uh. With your barbering and your fashion sense, uh, my estate, me and mine, we do all right. We're good for it. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. I'm be honest with you, I was a little nervous. Yeah, people always seem to worry so much about money. I don't, I don't know where the where all the anxiety comes from. Well, when you don't get much of it, you tend to worry a little bit, especially when people don't like doing business with you on account of your. Strange psychic powers. Ah, yes, I noticed those. Strange indeed, but useful. Just gotta make the best of what you got. Mine happened to work well for hunting people down. Yeah, if I'm being
5: honest, that's the thing that makes me nervous. I thought I knew all there was to know about the body, but seems
2: a, seems I'm wrong. I wouldn't worry too much, Mr. Farthing, And I'd give you some insight on how it works, but I'm not quite sure either. It just but it's kind of weird first time using telepathy huh i was not expecting that yeah i think you let a couple thoughts slip but it's all right it just takes practice i know i'm not that fashionable (laughs) (laughs) that's easily enough addressed
1: and giles begins to give clayton some fashion tips as you guys (laughs) see hope's edge on the horizon uh and with it the promise of not salt-filled lands (laughs) Uh you see the uh you see the hills rolling behind it, you see the greens and browns of the garden, and you pull into town looking like ghosts with the amount of white and silver salt just covering you in your hair, on your skin, in your clothes. I'm gonna go
2: find the near
1: stable and try to
2: get sugar a bath. Uh
1: yeah, you guys can pull up uh and park outside the stable. There is a uh a water and trough there for uh for animals horses and the like and uh it's open right now so you can definitely you know get your brush kind of soaked with that it will take you a while to to brush all this salt out of uh out of sugar and you'll need to use up a significant amount of like shampoo to really <laughs> really r- scrub or clean
2: no amount is too much for my sugar
5: well when you're finished i've uh, reserved us a hotel suite <laughs> i'd say we deserve a little pampering wouldn't you
3: and uh what room number is that exactly did you say there's only one
5: penthouse it's a small town
1: wonderful all right so Giles and roy are uh are entering the hope's edge hotel uh to retire to the penthouse suite it is it is well into the night now Juliet uh what are you getting into as uh, as Clayton is uh scrubbing all the salt out of sugars for?
0: I think that uh, I will probably head to ho- the hotel momentarily, but um, does this town have an LRC tower? Uh, yes, it does. Okay. I'd like to go see if there's any messages from me, from anybody, really, and then, uh, and then also see if there ain't um, some transport. I-, I assume we're going to Glenspire next, but ain't no way to really tell. I'd like to see if there's anybody moving through town or... And heading out the next day.
1: Okay, uh, so you can go ahead and roll connections to kind of uh, work your way around town, and you know make small talk with people and kind of learn what's going on. Uh, as for messaging, or as for checking the LRC tower, uh, you do have a message from Alex Graves, the mayor of Waypoint. Uh, she says she's scoured all of her connections through the Badlands. And she comes back with a, a a message simply saying if Cyrus is in the Badlands, he has learned how to keep a low profile because uh, uh, no one anywhere in the Badlands has seen him, according to her.
0: I'll send her a message back just saying, like, thank you for keeping an eye out. And, and then I guess I'll leave the LRC tower and see uh, what three hits will get me on connections.
1: OK, so uh, it's the middle of the night. Juliet, you're kind of wandering around. you, you know, pop in the saloon for a little while. you talk to some folk who are, uh, who are closing up shop and like leaving uh, for the evening to go home or, or go to the saloon. Um, there's a couple people leaving town, not in the direction Clayton and Roy are heading, and not through any mode of transport. That, that's faster than the transport you already have. But as you're kind of poking around, uh, there is a point where uh, something catches your eye as you're like walking by the, the hotel. And, uh, you see a couple hotel guests, uh, you know, kind of fancifully dressed and, um, they're talking to, uh, a young man wearing like dark stylish clothes. Um, and, uh, they're, they're talking with him, they're having kind of pleasant conversation. And then you see one of the hotel patrons, um, hand him some money and then he, Pulls out a little pouch and uh, hands it to them, and when they open it up, there's a slight glow from it, kind of a a pale pinkish yellow glow, and uh, and you're pretty sure you just like witnessed a drug deal, <laughs> 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 judging by the the clothing that these uh, these people are wearing and the amount of money they just handed over to that man who quickly disappears into the shadows. They begin returning to the hotel, and uh, that was whatever they bought. It was a very small pouch and cost them a pretty penny. And given your given your husband Cyrus's expertise, you know a thing or two about uh, both helpful and harmful medicines. And there's not a whole lot of options in the drug department for what this could be. You're pretty sure that those two hotel patrons just purchased some stardust, which is an extremely rare and expensive sub, uh, illicit substance uh, that can only be made by breaking down and synthesizing raw luminescence.
0: Okay. I'm not entirely sure what to do with this information. Um, There's like something niggling at the back of her brain, but she can't put a finger on it. Um, So instead of uh, poking her nose in other people's business that they are choosing to do, um, instead uh, she'll just return to the penthouse and uh, see whatever shenanigans Giles and uh, Roy are getting into.
1: Yeah, the penthouse sits at the top center of the Hope's Edge Hotel. It is uh, large enough to house six residents, uh, all in their own separate rooms with, um, with large, luxurious, comfortable beds. There are two baths. Which I'm sure Roy is at least occupying one of them. Uh, there's all sorts of bath salts, uh, presumably, <laughs> <laughs> presumably locally sourced, and uh, and other minerals that uh, clean your skin nice and deep, give you a nice scent. There's complimentary silk robes, a reasonably sized kitchenette with uh, fully stocked uh, with a bar, and uh, there's also a grand piano. Uh, and when you enter, Giles is. Uh, sitting there plucking out a uh, playful yet slightly melancholy tune that echoes beautifully in the acoustics of this penthouse. Uh,
3: I have, upon reaching this bathtub, taken a quick perusal of the various salts and bubble baths and shampoos and body washes and just dumped them all in the bath. <laughs> 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 but the, the bath at this point is a mountain of bubbles out of which my face peeks. <laughs>
0: I'll just take a a regular quick bath, if you don't mind, Giles. And then uh, you can have all of the luxuries for yourself. By all means. I just got to, you know, get the salt off and out of my hair. Things like that.
1: As Juliet is uh, finishing up her bath and Roy is uh, beginning to pour more bubbles into his bath to keep it going, uh, the intercom in this uh, this suite uh, rings. And uh, when you answer it, um, it's the front desk. And they say, Mister Farthen, uh, uh, there's a, a gentleman here. What? I'm sorry. What? What did you say your name was, sir? Clayton. He says his name is Clayton, and and we've asked him to leave, but he insists that he is your guest.
5: Tall fella. Uh, hair much nicer than the rest of his appearance.
1: Oh, have you run into him before? Do I need to call the sheriff, Mister Farthen? Are you in? Are you in some sort of distress?
5: Send him up. We'll deal with him.
1: Okay. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Farthen. And the front desk uh, hangs up and goes, all right, we expect this key back after your your stay is over. You understand (laughs) this, yes?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. And they slide a key over to you.
2: I grab it off the table and walk away towards the room.
1: Uh, Yeah, and Clayton joins you guys. Uh, This is definitely the finest accommodations you've ever seen, Clayton. And possibly the lowest that Giles would call comfortable.
5: <laughs> a bit rustic, but uh, please make yourself comfortable if, if you can.
3: Hey, hey, Clayton, uh, can, you, uh, can you come uh, have a word with me? Step into my office.
1: <laughs> a voice rings out from a side room, uh, and when you walk in there, Clayton, you have to stop at the threshold of the do- door as the bubbles have reached the ceiling and are, are threatening to pour out into the hallway. <laughs> And within these bubbles somewhere, you don't even know if he's in the tub. You see Roy's face kind of peeking out.
2: (laughs) Roy, what the hell are you doing?
3: Well, I said step into my office, Clayton. Do do me the honor of coming past the threshold. Listen, like my gear's out there.
2: I ain't going to shoot you. I step into the bubbles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have to swat them away. And eventually you do find yourself to the edge of the tub where Roy is... Uh, is lathered in soaps and, and uh, ointments and shampoo. Uh, uh, he has like a, a little bit of a, a, a foam goatee.
2: So you still haven't answered my question, Roy. What the hell are you doing? Clayton, I, I think, I think it's time for me to, uh,
3: to come clean with you. When I, when I told you the family had, had posted that bounty, that were a lie. The fam- the family ain't post that bounty in Glen Spire. Right? I, I, that's a legitimate bounty from, from the sheriff.
2: Oh. Well, I appreciate you being honest with me. And,
3: and you know, in, in my travels with you and, and Juliet, I think the right thing to do is to uh, turn myself in via you turning myself in <laughs> on one condition. What's that?
2: You're going to have to split the bounty with Juliet. I reckon I can do that. Awful strange! You've been trying to get away for so long. Now you're turning around, wanting to be turned in. Well, I've I've
3: I've seen the error of my ways, Clayton, and and now I know the life of an outlaw is wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna have my eye on you, Roy. I I promise to stay on the straight and narrow from here on out. All right. Well, I'm gonna leave you to your bath, Roy. Yeah, you uh. You leave my office. I have business to attend to.
1: <laughs> he begins working on a fully, a full sized beard.
2: <laughs> Juliet?
0: Uh, yes, Clayton?
2: Something's up with Roy.
0: Okay. Can this wait until I'm done with my bath real quick? <laughs>
2: he's saying we should turn him in. I think he's planning on escaping soon.
0: Uh, okay, but.
2: On the condition that we split his bounty.
0: Oh, well, sounds like he's trying to do some good, Clayton.
2: And it turns out it's just a normal bounty posted by the law, not even by the family, like he told me before.
0: I reckon that that, that, that's true, Clayton. I mean, it's uh, more likely than not that the sheriff did put a real bounty out and isn't owned by the family.
2: But what if he's just saying that? So I'll say, No, I'm not gonna turn you in. And really, that's all I was playing all along.
0: Can you hand me that towel, please? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Clayton covers his eyes and uh reaches in and throws a towel in the direction of the sound.
0: Okay. There's like a, a half a minute where it's like the sounds of somebody getting out of the bath and uh Juliet you know, like wraps up in a towel and walks over the door, opens it and goes, Clayton, you are a bounty hunter. He is a bounty. He's a good person, probably, but honestly, he got himself into trouble and he's asking you to turn him in. Either he's legitimately seen the error of his ways or this is a conspiracy that is at least three or four layers deep. Have you ever heard of the saying... When you hear hooves, don't think ache, think horse. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 go ahead and take this as a horse and uh, <laughs> stick to the plan. You can get your money, and and you know find that life that you wanted. Roy's trying to do you a solid, us a solid.
2: You're right. I'll leave you to it.
0: I appreciate that. I'll, I'll go ahead and touch base with Roy. and We can, we can uh, head towards Glenspire, okay? As soon as we're done with whatever we have to do for Mr. Farthen.
2: Sounds good.
0: Okay. Now I'm going to take a bath now. Don't come in again. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get back in the bath and finish bathing.
1: And somewhat early in the next morning, uh, there is a knock on the door to the suite. That
5: must be room service. I'll be right back.
1: Uh, it is in fact room service. They wheel in a uh, a glorious breakfast buffet, uh, similar to the one that Pepe had spread out um, in the dining hall when you met him. Uh, they bring it out. They set it on the uh, uh, on the central table of the suite, and then the porter approaches you, Giles, and says, "A message for you, sir, from the LRC Tower, as per your request."
5: Oh, thank you, like.
1: And they uh, uh, he hands it to you, and then like kind of stands there awkwardly.
5: I pat him on the back.
1: Uh, all right, then, sir, you have a good day. He looks a little dejected and walks away. <laughs>
5: Why do they always stay around? You'd think once they've done their job, they'd be eager to go. <laughs>
0: They're... You just... Okay. okay. <laughs> They're waiting for a tip. They're waiting to be paid... Their wages... You pay their weight for going above and beyond? No? you never done that?
5: Above and beyond? He's a courier.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Juliet makes a mental note to leave some spurs behind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The message is uh, from Pepe Dantoro in response to uh, you uh, reaching out to him when you got to Hope's Edge, uh, saying that um, the proto-martyrs were dealt with. The response starts, My dearest Giles, I'm sorry to hear you had so much trouble with the task I set before you. How was I supposed to know that the maniacs were building a giant mechanical monster? I've never seen a brother murder in my life, have you? Anyways, a deal is a deal. And I have the information you are looking for. The culprit who stole your property is none other than Anastasia Berwin Cornfoot. As you know, the Cornfoots hail from Glenspire. And uh, I do not know why she stole from you. Do not ask. However, I do know where she is keeping your property. Anastasia recently purchased the Addington Downs Jackalope Racetrack in Glenspire. There, in her private vault, she is hiding what she stole. Uh, The vault, as far as I've been able to discern, is hidden, attached to her private viewing box and the top floor of the stadium. I wish you the best of luck in recovering what was taken, and I can't wait to hear the gossip. Uh, Let me know if you need need me to search out any other information, perhaps, and... Just perhaps I owe you one, given the magnitude of the resistance at the Proto Martyr camp. Sincerely yours, Pepe Dantoro. Oh, PS Your driftier friends searching for Mr Finch? I will have their information soon. I suggest you send me their LRC call signs so that I may reach out to them once I have it. Well friends, looks like we're off to the races.
0: The races?
5: The item I need recovered is being held at a jackalope racetrack. We'll need access to the private box.
3: And uh, where exactly is that jackalope racetrack?
5: Have you heard of Glenn
3: Spire? You want to hit Addington Downs? Is that a problem? No, it's just, it's sort of like, I mean, there's obviously, you know, Glenn Spire Mutual and then sort of the family's private vault and then Addington Downs on the list of like biggest of the big scores of a lifetime. <laughs> I can't tell if
0: you're
5: nervous or excited. Excited.
0: (laughs) 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 So, what, we've got to, like, go break in and then, like, steal what now?
5: I feel we can discuss it on the way. Uh, The important thing is we get moving. It's almost the end of the racing season.
3: Hey, okay, you ain't a thief. Job like this, it's going to take some planning, some precision, little bit of luck here and there and all that sort of comes together based around information The less time i gotta spend working on how and what we're stealing the more likely it is we get you your item as it were so maybe you'd be a little less cagey with uh, some of that information just be less cagey
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: with all due respect roy i do think you're a good person but you're also a thief The less you know about my property before we find it, the better. I mean, I guess
3: that's true if you don't want it back.
5: You'll know it when you see it. Uh,
1: As far as what else you may know, uh, Giles, you're familiar with Addington Downs. Uh, It is the premier racetrack in the garden. As for the name, Anastasia Berwin Cornfoot, you're not actually sure you know this person. Her surname you recognize Uh, The Cornfoot estate is one of many wealthy legacies in the city of Glenspire, though they've fallen into relative obscurity over the years, with the last truly prominent member of their line being Sir Roscoe, a cavalryman who led the Glenspire militia roughly 80 years ago. But uh, the name Anastasia only faintly partially rings a bell. Uh, though it would seem that she is uh, uh, now the proprietor of Addington Downs. Jackalope races are a pastime that caters to all classes in the garden, and Addington Downs is no exception. The horseshoe-shaped stadium is six stories tall with two grand entrances. The eastern entrance allows access to the ground levels of the stadium, which are the first two floors of the complex. The tickets to, the, to those floors are cheaper, and the accommodations are less sophisticated, uh, restricted mostly to uh, prop-up saloons and bedding windows. Uh, but the first and second floors have the largest number of seats available in their tiered balconies viewing the track. The western entrance sports a wide-climbing staircase that leads to the upper four floors. Uh, tickets for these floors are much more expensive, and much more restricted. Uh, The accommodations within those four floors increase in extravagance uh, as you move up floor to floor. Ballrooms, poker halls, and restaurants are just some of the things you can find within the top four floors of Addington Downs. Uh, The sixth floor even has a grassy rooftop level where those that can afford it play croquet, bocce, and golf between races. And on the sixth floor right in the dead center of the complex is the private viewing box that belongs to the owner of the racetrack, which apparently recently changed to Anastasia Berwin Cornfoot. And according to Pepe, attached to that viewing box is a secret private vault.
5: I impart this information as much as I'm able, as we make our way out of Hope's Hedge.
1: Uh, it is about, uh, A little less than a two week journey from Hope's Edge to Glenspire, which gives you the four of you plenty of time to kind of discuss strategy, uh, uh, pick Giles's brain for information on the on the area and uh, start to come up with a plan. So, yeah. what, uh, What do you guys discuss on the on the way up?
2: So we need to get to the sixth floor, right? Getting up to the sixth
5: floor shouldn't be a problem. I expect getting out with my belongings, maybe.
1: Uh, your assumption is correct, Giles. You have enough money and uh, social influence that uh, it won't be unusual for you to be at Addington Downs, nor would, would you have any problem financially uh, gaining access to, the, uh, to all of the upper floors. The thing you will have problems with is that while you may get access to the sixth floor, most of the rooms on that floor are private clubhouses, and the only way to be granted access to any of these clubhouses is either as a member or in the escort of a member. And unfortunately, Anastasia's viewing box is on the other side of the Cordelite clubhouse, uh, which is a gorgeous lounge that then leads into a private high stakes poker room that then connects to her viewing box. The Cordelite is the most exclusive social club, and you are most definitely not a member.
5: On second thought, we may need to clean you three up a bit. I took a bath. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I ain't necessarily the Heiston type, but um, don't you have to, like, talk your way through things unless we want just to, like, hold up the entire, like, stadium?
5: It would be best to get in and out without them knowing we're there, or at least without them knowing what we're there for.
0: Could you win it back? You said there was a poker table?
5: I don't know her personally, though. I don't know if she's the gaming type.
0: I have to say that this is beyond my ken. Happy to help in any way I can. but uh, And I'll tell you when something sounds dumb, but I, I think I, I better leave this up to the professionals. <laughs> I look at Roy.
3: <laughs> hey, I'm an extremely accomplished thief in the town where this horse racing thing is. I robbed a lot of rich folks in my life. What do I know about Anastasia Cornfoot? And this place I've certainly cased in the past.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Go ahead and roll connections. You can do so at a plus four, given the fact that both your history and your path benefit you here.
3: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and spend grit to play to the gallery and count this 13. All right, I got five hits.
1: Uh, So, Roy, you've been sitting here while uh, a gunslinger, a bounty hunter, and a privileged barber... Uh, try to figure out how to pull a heist. And you have information that Giles might not have. Giles knows the court elite. If he were to think really hard on it, he'd remember some of their names and maybe some of the gossip that like revolves around them. Um, but you, having been a very successful outlaw in the city and having only targeted basically people like Giles, uh, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, members of the family... There's been plenty of talk amongst the criminal element about robbing various uh, members of society, including effectively all of the prominent members of the core elite. No one's ever really tried to pull the trigger on that because the risk is is too high. But there's a there's a few members uh, that you can think of. Uh, again, you don't know a whole lot about Anastasia Berwin Cornfoot. You know that she is uh, she is currently the most prominent Cornfoot. Um, she is just a, a, a year or two older than yourself and Giles. But uh, the Cornfoots the aren't really movers and shakers. Uh, they are just very wealthy. There's also uh, Forbisher Tinnin Fiddleworth. He is an, an older gentleman who uh, financially supports the uh, Glenspire militia to excess. Um, and he, that buys him a significant amount of political power as well as security. He's been known to either commission the militia or hire mercenaries to hunt down anyone who steals from him. There's also Pattaya Nightingale. He is a a restaurant mogul in Glenspire. He owns most of the prominent restaurants that cater to high society and even has some money invested in uh, middle to low class restaurants as well. The reason he is most despised amongst the lower class individuals In Glenspire is because his influence extends far enough to make it uh, to raise the taxes and cost for importing and exporting uh, produce uh, to the point where mom and pop's butcher shops or groceries uh, struggle to stay afloat. Uh, And then another name that comes to mind is self-titled Baron Joseph Arcturus Adams, one of the most thorough and cutthroat businessmen in Glenspire. His empire spans this entire region of the garden, ranging from mining operations to farming operations to even uh, medical operations. He has a hand in every type of trade that happens around Glenspire. Uh, And you know, particularly given your your criminal leanings, Roy, that uh, Arcturus Adams is not above uh, smuggling in and out product, legal or otherwise, through Glenn Spire um, in order to evade taxes. You've known a couple people who have hit it big by doing a smuggling run for Adams. And you've also known a couple people who have mysteriously disappeared after doing smuggling, smuggling rungs for Adams. And you honestly don't know whether or not those were loose ends he tied up or they just retired and moved away. So
3: I've been listening to y'all yapping back and forth. And frankly, I would be surprised if y'all could steal a candy bar. <laughs> Here's the thing. Every thief in Glenspire has a dream of, of robbing Addington Downs. Trouble is, I've been a solo act for a while, and, and I got a plan, but it does require a team. The thing is, you won't get out of there with your stuff. You won't get away scot-free. You can't just rob Anastasia Cornfoot. You're going to have to rob all of them. Go on. We can figure out a way to break our way into that private viewing box, and I can crack a safe, don't matter. But we break in, and that's all that's missing. I reckon she's gonna come for you. She knows it's yours, I assume. She robbed you. That's how robbery works generally. But if a team of daring outlaws were to rob all of the shady figures that uh, make their home in the Court Elite Club at Addington Downs, well, that's just a group of incredibly ballsy criminals. And that'll rile up some, some ruckus here and there, but I reckon you could get home and live the rest of your life in peace.
5: I'm interested.
0: I ain't against the rich robbing the rich in their weird rich people games, but uh, ain't nobody going to die or else I ain't helping you. Oh,
3: believe you me, ain't nobody got to die for this to work.
0: I mean it, Roy. Nobody dies.
3: I told you before I ain't ever killed nobody that didn't earn it. And that's the truth.
0: Am I going to have to wear a dress? Please say no.
3: I mean, you're going to need to at least wear a pantsuit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, clearly you got a lot of spurs, Giles. That's going to get us access. Getting in the building ain't the hard part.
5: Well, if you're talking about the Cordelite, it's a little more difficult. I'm rich, but they're as far beyond me as I am beyond you. Can I suggest, listen, maybe just think for like
3: two seconds before you say words, Giles. (laughs) 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 We're all people here. (laughs) Sure, yeah, you ain't in the elite. But I could put some feelers out, you know, talk to some of my old contacts in Spire. I can get us some uh, fake IDs, as it were. And uh, with your help uh, regarding the fashion and the spurs to back it up, it ain't that hard to look like high rollers. And if I know the rich folk of the court elite, there ain't nothing they love more than taking new money's cash and turning them into poor folk. Would it be safe to say that uh, all three members of the court elite, they'd be storing their stuff in... Uh, in Cornfoot's vault or a vault of some kind in the Court Elite Club? Uh,
1: that is not a super far leap. Uh, there's no way to know for sure. But the, the it is a secure vault attached to the Court Elite Clubhouse. Um, and the ownership of Addington Downs has basically just passed around within members of the Court Elite for uh, years now. So uh, it's possible that it is a shared vault, at least to some degree.
3: Now, I ain't been inside the vault at Addington Downs yet, uh, but in my experience, standard operating procedure for places, you know, like a casino or a racetrack is, they got a big old vault door and then safe deposit boxes inside, and each person got an individual key. Is that a fair assumption to make here?
1: Uh, yeah, if it, is, if it is, in fact, a shared vault, uh, it's very likely that it follows that same kind of procedure.
3: Now, once we're in the Court Elite Club... We can't all exactly just sit down at one big high stakes poker table and say, hi, the four of us just walked in. We're separate and not together at all. Let's gamble. <laughs> so I, I, I think I'm I'm a pretty good player of cards, but, you know, I ain't going to say I'm the best. So someone's going to need to uh, sit down at that high stakes poker table. And which member of the court elite is the most uh, gambling of men of those three you mentioned, Tommy? Pattaya Nightingale, for sure. All right, now Nightingale, he's easy enough to take. You can get a lot of his cash just at that table alone. But the biggest thing is you get him riled up, I reckon I could pickpocket him. It's going to be easy enough to get that key to his safe deposit box off his person. Now Adams and Fiddleworth, I reckon you let slip to Fiddleworth that uh, you heard about some new smuggling that uh, Adams is bringing in, maybe something that's undercutting his business with the militia and... They'll get in each other's faces, get a little angry. I'm sure they've been drinking. It's easy enough to grab the keys off them that way. Miss Cornfoot's going to be harder, but uh, that one we might have to figure out sort of in the room, playing on the fly. But like all the best jobs, there's some moving pieces that are sort of up in the air right up until the last minute. I think this is a solid base to work from, though.
5: I'll take your word for it, Legendary Outlaw. Finally some respect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if this works.
0: Like I said, Roy, as long as nobody's dying or getting irrevocably hurt and having their lives ruined, I'm all right with this. Uh, I've been a part of more than a few schemes, and yours sounds appropriately complex with many, many ways for it to go wrong. So um, uh, it seems like about the right type of plan in my experience. But if you're confident, which at 20, I imagine you are, uh, (laughs) we can go ahead and play dress up and see if we can't steal some things, I suppose. It's getting me to Cyrus and it's getting you your one last thing before we turn you in. So I figure I'll humor you.
2: And uh, I'm not real experienced in heists. I'll do what I can, though. I do got all of my abilities. Look,
3: Clayton, in a job like this, there's a role for everyone. And your special set of skills
2: will do just fine. Well, just let me know what you need me to do.
1: Okay. And as you guys begin to uh, finish forming this plan, you crest over a hill and there before you is the factory town of Glenspire. You kind of pause there for for a moment to soak it in. Like all factory towns, it is an expansive sprawl of buildings, Uh, though unlike San Cordero, which is relatively aesthetically pleasing, Glenspire is much more dark and industrial looking. Uh, There are several factory districts that are constantly chugging dark black smog up into the air, kind of covering the entire city in a haze. Uh, the walls of the, of the town are large, thick, and metal with uh, several access points uh, w- for travelers to come and go. You can even see uh, at this point in the day tons of people uh, waiting in line at certain entry points to uh, pay the toll to enter the factory town uh, as well as uh, some air travel moving to and from the city. And um, from this vantage point, looking real hard through the smog, you can see the... Uh, the white horseshoe shaped building that is Addington Downs, the target of your heist. And that's where we'll end our session.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is affiliated with and specifically approved by Tommy Cotton. Manifest, the RPG, is property of Tommy Cotton, all rights reserved. For more information, go to www.manifesttherpg.com.